You are listening to audio from Central Baptist Church in Mansfield, Texas. If you would like to get more involved or get more information about our church, stick around after the message. Uh, Go with me to Psalm 127. So if you have a handout, it's the exact same handout as last week. Um, We have been going through something that, you know, we don't usually talk about in church. Um, And we, so we've been going through the book of Genesis and um, we have gotten through creation. We talked about, you know, how there's a God and different things like that. We talked about what we believe about um, creation, the model that we kind of follow. And then we got to life. You know, Genesis one twenty six tells us that God um, talked and said, let us make man in our image. So we, we talked about how we are image bearers, the um, only part of creation that bears the image of God. We talked about how God spoke all of creation into existence except for man and woman. He um, used his fingers to um, form man and woman. He then breathed into uh, man, giving us the breath of God. So we see all these distinctions in creation. And one thing that reminds us is that between uh, mankind and animals, there is a vast difference. Man is created special compared to all other animals. Then we talked about how God created life. And um, we said that since God's the one that creates life, and since God is sovereign over all life, and sovereign just means that he has the power to do what he wants. Um, What he wishes always happens. So God has the decreed life, and he's since he's the one that made it, since he's the one that authorizes it, he's the one that should set the rules for it. There are some things that we believe are black and white. They are right and they are wrong. Um, some of them are obviously right from what the Bible says. Some of them are obviously wrong. Um, uh, the willful killing of any human life is wrong unless it's self-defense or the Bible even gives it for capital punishment or in times of battle in war. Um, so you, you have these black and white issues, but we live in almost 2023 now. Do you realize there's 8 billion people in the world today? 8 billion. And things have become very complicated. And one of the reasons they become so complicated is because of um, science. Um, the way that science has gone has made things just 150 years ago seem that were impossible then more than possible today. Um, and so we want to talk about it. Um, I can tell you this. I heard about some of this stuff in biology when I was growing up, but I didn't hear anything about this in church. And I'll be honest with you. I think it's our job as a church that when someone in our communities and our families in our church has questions like this, that we be prepared to answer those questions. And it shouldn't be just, um, well, I don't know, let me call my preacher. 
Um, the Bible is not just for your preacher, it's for you too. But the, the tough part about these things that we're talking about, except for maybe a couple, is that they're not necessarily black and white. They're in issues of gray. I will probably say this every time we talk. I am not a biologist, I'm not a doctor, don't claim to be. Um, but I am a preacher and I try to be a student of the Bible. And so that is where I'm speaking from, not from the scientific background, none of that, though I did do my best to do some research on it. But I want to start with this. I think this is um, a good place for us to begin. Look at verse number three of Psalm 127. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. All children are a blessing from God. They are literally a gift from heaven. Every last one. And as parents, grandparents, we should do our best to raise our children, as it says, verse number four, as arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so our children of the youth. Happy is a man that hath a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies at the gate. The, the picture is that our kids are arrows, but when we're, they're born, they're sticks, right? If you've ever had a bow and you tried to shoot a stick, it doesn't usually work that well. Anybody ever tried? I have. It never flies straight. Now, when I shoot an arrow, it doesn't get much better. But, um, but at least it's not the arrow's fault, right? Um, but when you pull an arrow back, it's straight, it's made to be shot forward. How does it go from a stick to an arrow? By the work of the craftsmen. They work on the stick and get rid of the rough edges and they bend it so it's straight. And it can literally take, especially in those days, many, many days, weeks, months to get the arrow to the perfect point. What the picture is, mom and dad... Your kids are sticks when they're born, and it's up to us to make sure that they're flying right for Jesus when they are propelled on their own in the future. Um, but even if they mess up, our kids are always a blessing every single time. So let's get to what we're talking about last week. Um, uh, we talked about... Um, Man alive, this is messing me all kinds of up. <laughs> um, we talked about artificial, no, we not. We talked about in vitro semination. And what else did we talk about, guys? Did we talk about birth control last week? Okay, we talked about birth control and in vitro semination. Today we're talking about artificial insemination. So... The story of Abraham and Sarah. Um, Abraham and Sarah, at 75, were told by God to move. If they obeyed, God promised to make them a great nation. Moses, or Abraham was 75, Sarah was 65. So already, they're old. But God says, we're going to make you a great nation. You're going to have your own kids. And... For whatever reason, they move, um, and they follow God. They take all of their business with them, and 
they move to where they're supposed to go. And um, uh, then 10 years goes by, no children. 15 years goes by, no children. And so Abraham starts to come up with his, or sorry, Sarah and Abraham begin to come up with a plan. They have a servant, Hagar. Hagar, they say, can be kind of a surrogate for Sarah. And uh, so we, we see here that they try to come up with a plan. And from the way the story goes, it's obviously outside of God's plan for them. Because right when Hagar says, I'm pregnant, Sarah looks at her completely differently. In fact, it gets so bad that after Ishmael is born, they literally have to move out of the house because there's such tension between Hagar and um, Sarah and all kinds of things are happening. And we can learn some things from this. One thing that we can learn is that surrogacy is a very difficult proposition. One thing that we can learn is that pregnancy comes with a lot of emotions. And the birth of a baby will often tie the baby to the one that gave them birth. And this happened with Hagar, and obviously it was Hagar's son, but I have known people that have gone through surrogacy and uh, on both sides. Um, and they have said almost every single time there is conflict because you can't remove human emotion from it. And what really in a very real way, in that instance, in surrogacy, the little boy or little girl ends up having three parents, a father and a mother that provide the sperm and the egg, and then the woman that provides the almost 10 months of care as she literally grows the baby inside of her. And there is no way you can go with, through 10 months and not come out on the other side attached to the baby. Um, but it also gets very complicated because we see in Genesis chapter 2, I can't remember who asked me the question now, um, but we see that husband and wife are supposed to leave mother and father, right? And then they're supposed to come together, and the Bible commands us to multiply. Who does he command to multiply? Husband and wife. Husband and wife. And that is very important. It's supposed to be up to husband and wife. The Bible never condemns surrogacy. But whenever there is situations like Abraham and Sarah, it's always spoken of at least negatively. In my opinion, there is some um, grace that can be there. Um, and if you came up to me and said I was a surrogate or I have a friend who is a surrogate, listen, I'm not going to stand in judgment of them. It's not really any of my business. Um, but I, I would say I would offer a lot of caution because I don't see how you can get around there being a third party in that kind of situation. 
And in my opinion, that person that went through all of that deserves more than money. Can I just be honest with you? Ten months of bearing a baby, twins sometimes, they deserve more than a paycheck. In my opinion, that's just as much their child as it is mom and dad's. Um, and think about all the conflict that that can happen. Um, so with the, when it comes to surrogacy, if someone came into my office and said we're contemplating it, I would caution them. And one of the ways I would caution them is from this passage. Can I read verse 3 again to you? Psalm 127, verse 3. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. What does that mean? That my kids, Cooper and Parker, are a gift from God to my wife and I. To my wife and I. Now, I think that can bless people in the church. Cooper's silliness. <laughs> Parker's competitiveness. Um, you know, they can be a blessing to folks, but they're a gift to a mom and dad. And they're a gift from God himself. If there ever came a point where Marilyn and I said, you know, we want to have another baby. Half of us do, just so you know. <laughs> um, if, if it ever came there, um, and we couldn't because of some physical thing, we wouldn't find a surrogate. We would find a baby that needed a home and adopt. Um, and in that way, I still think we fulfill Psalm 127, verse 3. But how about in our handout, artificial insemination? <clears throat> God commissioned the human race in Genesis by the proclamation that Adam and Eve were to multiply and then replenish the earth. Furthermore, according to the Bible, pregnancy is to occur between the man and a woman who are married to each other. Man, we need to teach our children this. Church, teach our kids. Listen, things happen. If something happens with Cooper or Parker, we will still love those kids. Love, I love my son. He will never be um, not my son. We will treat him as such. But we're going to do our best to teach them, wait until you get married. Come on, church, help me out here. That is the way the Bible teaches it. And I can promise you, as a youth pastor for six years, as a pastor now for almost 12, I can promise you, I have seen the heartache it causes when it happens away from God's plan. It's possible. Some of you are, are great people because you've been through it. You've come out better on the other side. But for the people that come out better on the other side, I can show you 10 to 15 that don't. We need to teach our children that this is God's plan. This is God's plan. Furthermore, Sexual relations outside of the marriage relationship, um, uh, whether it's rape, adultery, fornication, God condemns them all to be morally wrong and sinful. Good news is there's grace. What's in the past is in the past, and it stays there. So how does artificial insemination fit into this? If the married couple is having a problem getting pregnant and artificial insemination is recommended by the doctor, then I can at least find it acceptable under these conditions. Number one, 
only the sperm and egg of the married couple are involved. I would, if I were counseling a couple, couple that would be adamant. Just husband and wife. Fertilized eggs are not intentionally lost or destroyed. I would also um, talk to them about being very diligent to make sure that who's ever handling those precious things does so with the utmost care. Artificial insemination, also known as intrauterine insemination, is a medical procedure in which a man's, Lord willing, the husband's sperm, is implanted in a woman's uterus at precisely the right time and in the right uh, location in order to increase the chances of pregnancy. While it is usually used in conjunction with fertility medicine in a woman, that's not always the case. Artificial insemination is different from in vitro fertilization in that fertilization occurs inside the uh, woman in any more natural way, while in vitro fertilization occurs outside the womb. Then the fertilized eggs are implanted in the woman's uterus. Artificial insemination does not result in unused most of the time or discarded embryos. Artificial insemination does not have as high success rate as in vitro fertilization, but many Christians view it as much more acceptable alternative, including the Catholic Church. Um, so should a married couple consider artificial insemination? The Bible always presents pregnancy and having children positively. The Bible nowhere discourages anyone from seeking to have children. The, the fact that artificial insemination does not have the moral dilemmas of an in vitro fertilization would seem to make it a valid alternative. So if artificial insemination increases the chances of an otherwise infertile couple having children, it would seem to be something a Christian married couple can prayerfully consider. Some object to all fertility options due to the fact that such procedures supposedly do not take into account God's sovereignty. But God is just as capable of preventing pregnancy after artificial insemination as he is in preventing pregnancy after normal intercourse. Artificial insemination does not overrule God's sovereignty. Nothing overrules God's sovereignty. As proven by the account of Abraham and Sarah, God is more than capable of enabling a reproductively dead woman to get pregnant and have a healthy baby. Listen to me. If God can get Sarah pregnant, God is powerful enough to get any woman pregnant. Right? 90 years old. So some of you better watch out. <laughs> if it is God's sovereign will for a woman to get pregnant, she's going to get pregnant. If it's not God's sovereign will, she will not get pregnant, no matter what the couple attempts. A Christian married couple can prayerfully consider artificial insemination as in all things a couple considering artificial insemination should ask God for wisdom and a very clear leading from the Holy Spirit so any questions or comments remember disagreements here are perfectly okay
even if you disagree with me. You can even talk about, oh, help me, Miss Leslie. What did I talk about first? Surrogacy. Surrogacy. Anybody? I feel like there's somebody out there just waiting. And I feel like you're going to get me right up there. <laughs> you're welcome to do it now if you want to. All right, we're going to talk about an interesting one now. And I think I got it right. Human cloning. So how many of you remember back in the 90s? Oh, man. I want to say it was like 96, 97. A little lamb. I believe her name was Dolly. Is that right? You all remember that? I don't know. Maybe you all were in church. I know I was in church. My dad just talked about this in church. And... Um, it was quite an unbelievable story, and the way that I heard many preachers talking about it, what it was, it was a sign of the end times. <laughs> um, and I, did, I remember hearing that Jesus, and then that really started people thinking, well, the year 2000's coming, and then 1999 came around, and remember all of the things with the computers, and I had friends bury all kinds of stuff in their backyard, and... <laughs> All right. Anyways, I don't know where that came from. Um, so if you remember, there's actually one major part of our country. It's up in the Northeast um, that deals with um, this kind of stuff. It started at researchers, or it was Advanced Cell Technology in Worcester, Massachusetts. And now they're claiming that they are developing, um, and this has been a number of years now, human embryos in order to harvest embryonic stem cells. How are they claiming to do this? They're cloning human embryos from aborted babies. These cells, which can turn into other body tissues, these stem cells, presumably could help patients suffering from various injuries and diseases. Such therapeutic cloning, however, necessitates that human embryos will be killed for their cells. Thus, Congress um, uh, has argued about it for, oh man, 20 years now. Um, they've done it with sheep. They've done it, I've tried to do it with other animals. Um, so there's a number of things. Should Christians view the cloning of animals differently than humans? I believe the obvious answer is 100% yes, 100%. One, just because of the way that they go about it. Listen to me. They, they, they are proclaiming healing medicine. They are proclaiming curing disease. But if you get down to it, the stuff that they are proclaiming they haven't come close in over 20 years of trying to accomplishing. In fact, they're no closer November 16th of 2022 than they were in November 16th of 2002. So in 20 years of trying, how many aborted embryos suffered? 
What about cloning humans? Cloning of humans should be opposed in many different ways. The Bible draws a very clear line between the nature of animals and humans. People are created differently. Genesis 1.27, we're created in the image of God himself. We are created separately from animals by the fingerprint and breath of God. In chapter 2 of Genesis, in verse number 6 and verse number 8, God entrusts humans with dominion over animals, obviously telling us that we are separate from them. Each fertilized human egg, including any that result from cloning, is a different individual. Perfecting the cloning technique requires several experiments, and many embryos will be destroyed in the process. Indeed, those experiments in Massachusetts have so far been completely a massive failure. The embryos died before they become large enough to produce any stem cells, which was the goal of the research. Human cloning is closely tied to the issue of abortion and the real beginning of human life. For one, if defects are noticed as they begin to form these clones, abortion would be the preferred solution. Furthermore, no serious biologist who is familiar at all with the human body would argue against the clear fact that all DNA coding needed to build each individual's physical features is there right at the egg's fertilization. No new genetic information is ever added to a developing embryo. An embryo is human from the beginning, and according to the Bible, and virtually all ethical standards, it is wrong to intentionally kill such innocent human life. Amen, preacher. Cloning is in opposition to the biblical institution of the family. Think about this. Because a, a manufactured human who's a clone can never have two parents. The process of cloning would go against the doctrine of the family, a father and a mother, as ordained in the book of Genesis. In a world that increasingly denies the authority of the Bible, especially its first book, Genesis, people who view the creation account as a myth will disregard standards such as the divine institution of the family and dominion and sacredness of human life made in the image of God. Sadly, human cloning will become more acceptable to those who reject the creator and his word. This push for cloning is probably why the secular media have mostly ignored the fact that non-embryonic stem cells have had proven laboratory and clinical successes and don't require any loss of human life. May I repeat what I just said? This push for cloning, and you'll see it more and more, especially if you look for it, is probably why our media has mostly ignored the fact that non-embryonic stem cells, so stem cells that don't come from killing embryos, have had proven over and over again for over 20 years laboratory and clinical successes and have never required the loss of human life. For example, stem cells have been extracted from um, the hippocampal 
in periventricular regions of the brain. You all know what I'm talking about. Um, from the umbilical cord blood as well, from the pancreatic ducts, hair follicles, skin biopsies, and even fat from liposuction. Yeah, I'm telling you, I might go save a life tomorrow. (laughs) Save a whole village. (laughs) Uh, But they've taken it from those things things that people don't even miss and have literally saved lives, but they keep on pushing embryonic stem cell research. Have you ever wondered why? I think I know the answer. How about you? I have a question for you. I don't know if it's in your handout or not. Does a human clone have a soul. If it's in the handout, that is just my opinion. Um, but if it's not, what do you all think? If they were to ever, um, could you imagine them saying, okay, we found the perfect specimen. He's a pastor in Mansfield, Texas. <laughs> and we're going to clone him. And next Sunday, instead of me coming to preach, I got to listen to myself preach. Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> but there he is, preaching at Central Baptist Church. Wouldn't that person, whatever he would be, would he have a soul? What say you? Just right off the gut. No? It's okay to disagree now. Okay. Okay. So I will tell you, from the research that I did, there are more Christians that say yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it was 85%. That's just my, my, what I looked through. And I looked through a lot of stuff because this was the one that, you know, I wanted to get the most on. Um, and so I looked, um, and I'm talking about if I started naming some names of some people, they, you would recognize some of them. These were preachers that I listened to all the time. Um, these were... Um, um, Christian speakers, some Christian scientists, some that are in the Metroplex said yes. And they say that because we have the fingerprint of God and that since we have the breath of God, that any part of us that is made to make another human would then have the same exact characteristics, including a soul. Um, Now, my opinion, I believe, and I'll be honest with you, I am pretty close to 100% on this. I would say no. I just, I can't wrap my head around a person literally being a science experiment and then having a soul. I'm going to be honest with you. I pray we never have to find out. Um, and you can, I just caution you, read Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and see what those things talk about human life. Um, you see, man may be able to copy a human shell. We may be able to make something that looks and maybe even acts like a human, 
But I just don't see how it would be possible for mankind to be able to replicate a human soul. We get our sin nature from our dads, but we get past the breath of God, our soul, from our parents. Since a clone wouldn't have any parents, I would say they would neither have a soul. Now, I would also say I am far from an authority on the matter. I would suggest study it for your own. Tell me what you find. And if you find something awesome, we'll go get coffee. I'll drink a pop. You all know what a pop is. <laughs> Anybody have comments, questions about that? Yes, sir. Okay, that's a good point. So, so we foundationally talked about it as uh, the borrowed breath of God. Um, but what I will do, I think that's a really good study. Um, next Wednesday, we won't have services right before Thanksgiving. But the, um, the Wednesday thereafter, is that December 1st? I think that's December 1st. We will, um, that will be what the lesson is over. We'll talk about the human soul. The best place for information on the human soul isn't even modern Christianity. It's Old Testament Jewish scholars. So we'll probably look through a lot of those as well. I appreciate that question. That's a good place to, good place to go. All right. Anybody else have a question or a comment? So as far as we know, there are no human clones. And I looked to make sure. Um, and unless they've done it in a dark lab and haven't told anybody about it, um, sometimes I wonder if we vote for some. Can I get a witness? <laughs> for Dolly? Uh-huh. Right. Right. There were a lot of problems with them. Yes. Uh huh. Right. And, and even the ethical part of just doing with the animals is, in my opinion, very gray. Um, and the way that they've done it in the past, I would want no part of. I'm sorry? <laughs> yes, ma'am. The clones? No, no. They've they've done it all in labs. Yeah, it's all labs. Uh, in test tubes and um, whatever those little petri dishes. Yeah, um, they do that, and then they put them in an oven, for lack of a better term, off the top of my head. 
to help grow them, and they've tried all kinds of different ways to do that. Yeah. Now, the purpose now, just so we're clear, the purpose now isn't so much to grow a human. I'm sorry. It's not supposed to grow a full adult human, but just for the embryo's stem cells. That's probably 95% of the reason why they're doing it. Um, and they have completely failed to this point. Yeah. Yes. At least that's what I believe, yes. That, uh, foundational, yes. Right. That would be my conclusion, yes. Right. Right. And... So, and to understand life foundationally, we say that God is the author of life, not man. Right. Right. God's working behind the scenes. Yep. Right. I would, at least a subcategory of it, yeah. It's not as um, sanctified. It's not as, there's not as much sanctity to animal life as there is to human life, and it's not even close. Um, but there's definitely some moral objections that we could definitely make. I would say no. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, I think we can all agree. If they ever get it down, dogs or sheep, um, they're not going to stop there. Yeah, it's just going to continue towards more sanctified life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's all kinds of ways that we can get from just embryos to people wanting humans. I mean, think about it. Um, if a rich husband lost his longtime wife and they figured out a way to put her consciousness into some artificial AI and then figured out a way to clone her, could they put the artificial AI and then could they figure out a way so that you could literally just copy and paste the process and live forever, start celebrating your 300th anniversary, right? But think about that. 
you know, what happens if it doesn't go right? Do you, do you just get rid of it and start again? Um, and I mean, there's just all kinds of things you got to think about. Yes, ma'am. For that person, or for the clone? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think it would just be another step down. I think, um, you know, the I mean, the things that they would make, oh, man. I, I mean, all kinds of things. I think the sexual deviancy that could come from stuff like that, oh, man. I, human trafficking that could come from stuff like that, oh, my word, yes. I, yeah, I mean, and further proof that, you know, they would say Christianity is false and all kinds, you know, all kinds of things. I, I think it would just push us further and further down that sewer. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So two weeks from today, we're going to talk about the soul. Amen. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We're located at 700 North Walnut Creek Drive in Mansfield, Texas. You can visit our website at cbcmansfield.com or follow us at Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CBC Mansfield. Thanks again for joining us.